Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of Video Game Realness, serving up your weekly dose of gaming chit-chat among friends. I am your host, Delvin, and this week, it's just me and James. Hello! It's a repeat of the Pikmin episode, yeah. Two Lonely Gays Part 2. Uh-huh, double trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. But yes, uh, Michael and Cameron are away this week, uh, mm-hmm. but hopefully they'll be back next week. Um, so for this week, we're just going to go over some news and a new special segment called Game Theories That We Miss. Yay! Where we're going to talk about a game series that we miss and want to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the start to, for this episode, we're going to go over some Twitter and Facebook feedback that we've received from over the past week. Social media realness. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, as you know, last <laughs> week, uh... Michael was hosting <laughs> our episode, <laughs> and it was a so hilarious, like... <laughs> yeah, it got a little bit, like, social media heavy, got a little bit Jersey, got a little bit The Hills. It was just quite American all around, actually. <laughs> that was so funny when, um, uh, right to one of the break segments, you're like, ha ah, Michael's from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. Bravely default. I know. Uh, so we had some feedback from Peter, a uh, Facebook comment. He says, love the show, especially as James really reminds me of Elliot on one of my favorite podcasts ever, The Flophouse. Almost the same voice and humor style. Thanks. Love you, Peter. Don't like you at all, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. I'm don't kidding. Don't know who you are. JK's. JK's. <laughs> um, um, so at Chateau16, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced your name, girl. Um, he says, I fucking lost it. Michael should host again. <laughs> I was giggling out, giggling throughout the entire episode. Oh my god, I love that episode. You guys are an awesome bunch. Yay, Yay! Thank you so much. That was awesome. We did have way too many hashtags. That was, <laughs> that was interesting. That was a hashtag extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Um, at the book pirate, um, uh, made a comment as well. It says, fun fact, polyamory and polygamy are different things. <laughs> hashtag sister wise, hashtag grandia too. Uh, yeah, we made a boo boo, but. Yes. It was all in good comedic fun. Education. <laughs> the more you know. Bring. And then at Kataro E37 says, yay, my Wednesday is turned out. Hashtag work queens. Mm, work, work, <laughs> work. Oh, I have to say this. So yesterday I was at the gym at Good Life. And mm-hmm. Del and I lived close to each other and there was a gym that's central to both of us. And I think it was a Zumba class. And I never thought about doing a Zumba class because I always felt like it was very... Just like female heavy. And, yeah. And especially up in Midtown, I don't know how 40 something women would be receptive to two young something gay guys, you know, <laughs> dancing with them. But I was, I was changing because we had finished working out and I heard them playing Work Bitch by Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah. And I ran around. I'm like, oh, and I, I sort of pushed Tristan aside. I was like, I have to go. I have to go look at this. And so I ran around and I looked into the Zumba class. First of all, it was jam packed. Like people were, packed in like sardines wow tons of gays it was all just young women and gays <laughs> no wonder why they were playing fucking work and, and clapping and they were all cheering like Woo! <laughs> so um i think we're gonna have to check out zumba all right next. so we're gonna do zumba because <laughs> clearly it's meant for gays and middle-aged women. there you go there you go <laughs> anyways that's what it reminded me of the work queen <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and at Happy Natto tweeted us a video of the Bravely Default concert featuring Tiz's theme, which with the hashtag hashtag bagpipe electropop. 
Um, so if you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know, there's a whole concert of the Bravely Default um, music. Like, music soundtrack. Yeah. Um, so we're definitely going to link the, in the show notes this video because mm-hmm. it like highlights Tiz's theme, which is amazing. It is amazing. I fucking love that game. I'm not. Isn't it a great game? Aren't you happy it happened? Yes, because it's so nice to just. It's like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and just to play that nice. Old style JRPG, mm-hmm. and you know that's something comforting, yeah. and just playing something that is familiar and enjoyable, and, and I love it. You get to cast magic again, mm-hmm. finally, like a Summons. normal person. You get to summon things without them turning into bicycles. <sighs> Let's not. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave that one alone. But uh, thank you, everyone, for your Twitter and Facebook feedback. Um, we definitely love to hear all your comments. Yes, definitely. So don't be shy. Tweet us or Facebook us. Let us know what you're thinking. And, of course, you can always leave comments on iTunes Mm -hmm. um, for some feedback. So, right now, I think I'm the only one that put feedback on iTunes. (laughs) And I even put that. I was like, I'm I'm a little biased. But, yeah, these guys are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, we always enjoy feedback because it makes us feel like we actually have friends. Yeah, I know. Alright, so let's kick it off with the news. Um, so Gamer X2 um, was, I guess, going through some funding issues. So they well, went to Kickstarter yeah. to um, get funding again, and they've been funded already. The uh, Kickstarter is still going, but they already met their funding goals, which Great. is amazing. So it is going to be happening again. July 11th through the 13th at the Intercontinental in San Francisco. <laughs> And there's going to be a special guest appearance by WWE star Darren Young, who came out um, sometime last year. Okay, I was about to ask if he's gay. Yes. I'm going to... I don't know what he looks like, so I'm imaging him right now. He's a big black guy with a big giant fro. Ooh, hey girl. Oh, there's one... There's a picture here. If you Google his name, he has a glitzy headband on. Yes. That's some Amazonia realness. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he's making a special guest appearance. Um, There was actually some comments that were made... um, just in general, uh, uh-huh. Matt Kahn, the uh, one of the creators of the conference, was posting like these random negative comments. People were saying, "Oh, well, like, well, why do does there need to be like a uh, conference or like a separate gamer like oh, yeah. forum or like just like basically stating comments about like why there is a need for gamers?" Yeah, you know, and just the whole bunch of stupid comments and feedback that people yeah, will say. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, oh, this isn't necessary. Oh, if there was a if there was a group that was like just all, like all straight guys, then there'd be like you know a whole outbash. I'm like, that's what like. Well, 
Also, you're allowed to come to GamerX. There's nothing saying, and it's not like, yeah, never mind. Yeah. We don't need to engage in that. Yeah, I, I know. But, um, yeah. you know, GamerX too, it, um, or GamerX as a general, you know, definitely serves a purpose. Yes. And it's there for a safe space for people to go and enjoy video games and have that conference space and not be ridiculed by such people. Exactly. Exactly. You, you are, you are, you know, when you are making negative comments about it, you are only illustrating why there is a need for it. I agree. And you know what? Without the gamer sort of culture, we as a podcast would not exist. Yeah. And I challenge our heterosexual counterparts to make their own, you know, I guess, podcast. Yeah. Called <laughs> Gamer Bro Fest 2014. I think there's a lot of those out already. Special hetero penis edition. <laughs> Vagina special. Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man. But yeah, so if you actually are thinking of going to GamerX too, mm-hmm. um, you should definitely, uh, you can purchase tickets essentially by funding Kickstarter. Kickstarter uh-huh. and you get the tickets. And they're saying that, like, you know, it's probably going to be sold out. So mm-hmm. what offerings they have there is, like, what they're going to have. So if you're thinking of going... Um, get on it. Get on it. Mm-hmm. Quickly. Because then you might not be able to go. Pedal to the metal, queen. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, I spelled his name wrong. Anyway. <laughs> Diddy Long. <laughs> Diddy Long. Oh, girl, that's an X-rated Diddy Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Diddy Kong. So Diddy Kong has been confirmed as a Smash Brothers character, um, confirmed for on the release date of Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Shocker! I wish they put Dixie Kong in it instead, or Cranky Kong. I don't know how they would fit as Smash Brothers characters, though. I, mean, I don't think Diddy Kong fits that well, anyways. True. Who plays as Diddy Kong? Not that many people, yeah. really. Yeah, but exactly. I guess Diddy and Donkey Kong are like the original like pair. That's true. So you always associate those two more so than Dixie, more so yeah. than Cranky. Or they could have done like a, a Pokemon trainer thing where you could like switch out Diddy, Dixie, and Cranky. That'd be hilarious. That would be funny. I would like that. Yeah. Oh goodness. So yeah, that um, will be coming uh, as the next confirmed character. Mm-hmm. So. Killer Instinct got a new patch. Yay! Which finally fixed all of the <laughs> online issues that I've been complaining about for the past couple weeks. That's good. So, uh, they fixed it so that now when you are playing someone and you they disconnect, you are no longer penalized. Okay, good. Um, they reset the stats for disconnects. So, because of the way it was being uh, calculated before, everyone's disconnect rates were basically... Like 100%. Right. Yeah. So they reset all the disconnect rates, um, and now when the match, if you end the match by doing an ultra combo, which is pretty much the end of the match, as soon as you enter the command, you win the match. Oh. Because usually what would happen is you do an ultra, and then that gives... Them, like, X amount of time to disconnect. Exactly. I see. So... And then the win would, wasn't counted until the end of the ultra and the match was over. Uh, so now they've done it. So as soon as you enter the command, you huh. you win the match. Which is funny, too, because that's usually when people would disconnect. And people are still trying to do it still. Like, disconnect like I've been playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people yeah. would disconnect. So, like, a couple matches I played and... I did the ultra, and then they would disconnect immediately after, but it was too late. I still already got oh, the win, good. and that's they still good. got the loss. So I'm really glad <sighs> that they fixed this. And not only that, like, because uh, like 
a large part of it was that you wouldn't get so many wins that yeah. were owed to you, essentially, so you couldn't essentially climb the ranks yeah. as much as you would should. have or should have, yeah. So now I've been going a lot higher now because all these basic bitch scrubs who've been <laughs> disconnecting can't disconnect anymore. Well, I'm glad they fixed it. Yeah. But it's kind of annoying that that's... That's like that's what they have to catch for. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, I don't want to lose. Unplug, uh, unplug. Going to I'm not menu. saying they all sound like that, but in my head they do. No, they do. <laughs> you know why? Because there's um, a lot of people. For I guess forget that the Connect is a microphone, and unless you go in the settings and turn it off as a microphone, you can hear the people playing while you're playing a match, like, the microphone just automatically comes on. Oh. So sometimes people will try and talk to you and be like, hey, bro, how's it going? Or That's like, a bit awkward. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. I turn my microphone off because, like, I don't want to talk to you. I know, I know. But it, I, I, if anyone was ever, if anybody, sorry, was ever like, oh, hey, bro, how's it going? I'd be like, it's going good, girl. Yeah. Just sitting on a towel. <laughs> <laughs> Shock I'm em. naked. Yeah, shock them first, and then ultra sh- the shit out of them. Yes, and then when they disconnect, then you, you lost still to win. a gay. Yeah, <laughs> lols. Come to GamerX. We'll teach you some skills. <laughs> hey, shady. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So um, <laughs> if you uh, are were playing Killer Instinct before, now it's a good time to start playing again online. Mm-hmm. Especially if you were upset about the system before, now it's a good time to get back. Yeah, and now you won't hear me complain about it anymore. <laughs> so. Activision has confirmed that a new Tony Hawk game is in the works. So, uh, yeah, I mean, now um, the last few Tony Hawk games were back out in 2009 and 2010, which was like um, right. Tony Hawk Ride and Tony Hawk Shred. <laughs> so this, these two games. Sorry, it's not funny. Yeah. No, what's interesting about these two games? These two games were peripheral-based Tony Hawk games. Right. They made, like, a little skateboard. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was during that phase when, like, peripheral-based games, which mostly led by Activision, was a big thing. Right. You had Guitar Hero. You had right. Rock Band. Right. You had DJ Hero. Work, work, work. You had all these games yeah. that were coming out that were peripheral-based, so they thought, oh, let's make Tony Hawk this game where you have a board. Thing. and you, yeah. I don't even know how it really worked, to be perfectly honest. Um, but yeah, you had the peripheral that you bought with the game, and they did not sell well at all. Like, the last one that came out, Tony Hawk Shred, yeah, actually sold less than, like, DJ Hero, which was, like, one of the lower-selling right. hero guitar, whatever yeah. it is, hero series. Music hero games, yeah. <clears throat> it was the, it was, like... Horrible in sales. Huh. Um, and then they had Tony Hawk Pro Skater HD, which was just a remake of the older Tony Hawk games. Right. With just, like, the certain levels that were fan favorites, and it was, like, an online DLC game. So there hasn't been anything... Did for- you use the peripheral for it, or was it no. just, like, a regular... Uh- it was, a re- like, a regular with the controller, huh. or whatever, right? Um, yeah. I don't know what it is with Activision and, like, killing series and running it to the ground. Yeah. And I want to know what sort of new game this is. I think it's going to be one going back to its original roots of just using a controller, oh, okay. obviously. Like, I don't think they're going down that peripheral road. Um, and just an original Tony Hawk game. I didn't mind the Tony Hawk games, to be honest. Yeah, like, no, when they, they were, were out. Yeah. They were fun. I sucked at them. Yeah, I sucked <laughs> shit in Tony. Like, Tony Hawk GBA, I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> but, like, they were fun. Like, when they came out, they, I mean, 
in my opinion, yeah. Tony Hawk, especially when it was out during the PlayStation days, was one of those pivotal games that kind of really introduced a new market of yeah, gamers. You're actually right about that. Like yeah. It, yeah. when PlayStation came originally came out, you know, it still was appealing to that audience of Nintendo and Sega players. Yeah. And coming out with those type of games that they would like to play. Yeah. And then Tony Hawk came and really brought in the bros. Suburban boys. The suburban teenage boys. Yeah. You know them. You all went to school with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they weren't they weren't gamers like, I guess, you and I would be considered gamers. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then, you know, they started getting into it with Tony Hawk. And then came, like, I don't even know what I would say after that that was kind of pivotal to that. But I think Tony Hawk is one of those games that was very pivotal in changing... The game space. Yeah, it took players who would have usually just played Uniracers on their SNES while high... Yes. ...to actually wanting to purchase into the video game space. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's... it's Which is interesting, too, because, you know, like, Nintendo went with that whole blue ocean strategy... Yeah. ...bringing in new gamers, and this was one of those games that kind of did that for a different type of gamer. I want it to be called Tony Hawk colon retired. <laughs> and it's basically... The game is just, you know, the Tony Hawk episode of Cribs. <laughs> And you just go around Tony Hawk's house and, like, look at furniture. And just, like, skateboard around his house and, like, on the roof and stuff. <laughs> yeah. and... But every you can only play for 15 minutes at a time because then it gets interrupted by his kids and you have to, like, feed the baby. <laughs> Does he actually have kids? He has kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, Tony Hawk sometimes, depending on what pictures you see him in... Either looks really cute, yeah, or really busted. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. It's so night and day. Sometimes I find when he wears the helmet, he looks kind of busted. Yeah, it's something about the hair and the hairline. And I don't know what it is. Yeah, I know. But like some pictures, I'm just like, oh, he's really cute. And yeah. then other times, I'm just like, ooh. But he's like a total dad now. So <laughs> like, I don't even think he skates anymore. I don't think so. If either. that's the right. But word, I mean, I don't know. We don't obviously don't know. So please don't shoot us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just too gay. At too BG hot. realness. How dare you not know the Tony Hawk? Like Legacy! <laughs> Exclamation mark. Okay, so this one's really cute. This next story. Aww. So a father and daughter team are looking to kickstart um, the last bit of funding for their game Super Chibi Night. Oh. Uh, so um, the programmer for this game also worked on. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Fuck, what's that game? Castle Crashers. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and another game which I failed to write down, but. Um, Basically, they're looking to raise $6,000, and Nick Pasto is the programmer, and his daughter, Bella, provides the voice of the chibi hero, the character sketches, and weapon designs, and she's eight years old! That's so cute! I just think it's the cutest thing ever! It's the cutest thing ever. There's a trailer for the the game, also gonna be in the show notes. Guys, it's super cute. It's kind of like in a a Zelda 2 style side scrolling Uh RPG. Um, similar, like the, the art style is similar to kind of like Castle Crashers. Um, it's really a super fun looking game. I, I, I'm actually, it, you, all you have to pay is $5 to get the game. So wow. like $5 gets you the game Done. and supports the, the, the game as well. Done. So I, at the time of when I looked just before we recorded, they were at almost $4,000 of the 6000 Yeah. So they're super close to getting Great. it funded and they have like another 30 or 28 days That's left. That's adorable. Yeah. Aww. And when you hear the voice of the of the Super Chibi Night, it just sounds so cute. 
That's it. I know. I just think it's also so cute because it's like a father and an eight-year-old daughter. Yeah, I know. And like they're working on this game together, and that's like such a like bonding thing for like. I know, and it's called Super Chibi Night, and. You know she's just so happy. I know, that's the thing. Like, you know she's just so happy to be doing this with her dad. And, like, he's probably super excited that, like, you know, um, his daughter's into this. And, like, yeah. And I think it's really exciting because she is a girl and that she's really excited about, like, doing a video game. Because, you know, the stereotype is that girls don't play video games. Yeah. And here's this girl that's, like, doing sketches, voice work, She's, like, and designing a video game and helping out with the production. Yeah, you work, bitch. Yeah. You fucking work. Dolphin, she's eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad about this. See, this, this, these sort of stories um, are great because they are so unique in, in a fairly cynical world. Like, mm-hmm. video games is a pretty, like... Yes. ...can be a pretty uh, negative space. So yeah. Hearing I- about this is great. In going with that, I, I forgot to write this down, but mm. there's actually a video that was posted on Joystick as well. Uh-huh. It's it's this PBS game show that does this, like, random topics every few weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this topic basically was talking about are um, angry gamers ruining the game industry? Hmm. Um, and it's a really good watch. You should definitely check it out. You know, it basically talks about how, you know, the fandom how it can go too far and, like, you know, poison some people to even stop making games, Mm -hmm. like Fez 2, when Girl just was like, I'm out! (laughs) Well, Girl had some issues, but yes, yes. I understand that. And um, Well, there was that Dragon Age writer. Yeah. I mean, she she said she left because her husband got a job elsewhere, but she also got a ton of, like, shit um, for, I think it was, yeah, the Dragon Age 2 story, people, like, writing her death threats, Mm -hmm. you know, saying, this isn't canon, Yeah, one of the co-creators of Mass Effect quit because of the hate from the Mass Effect 3 ending. So, you know, it's just, it's really interesting. Um, you should definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, they did some other, actually, some some good questions. Uh, one was, like, does uh, the Zelda linked, uh, Link Between Worlds, does it rely on um, nostalgia to make the game mm-hmm. enjoyable? Mm-hmm. And just, like, other good topics. It's really good. I'll put the link to that one as well in the show notes for Great. you guys to check out. plans to make Atlas into Atlas once more. So, as of April the 1st, they will abolish the Index Corporation, which was the original holder Mm -hmm. of Atlas Mm -hmm. and, like, some other random companies, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're going to break them off into separate divisions under the Sega umbrella. So, Atlas will continue making games as usual, and the other division coincidentally enough, will be called Index Corporation, and they will handle the advertising and content distribution under the under Sega. So mm-hmm. they'll be handling other Sega games plus Atlas. Right. Um, but yeah, so Atlas, it's really good that Sega is doing this and mm-hmm. taking, you know, pretty much letting Atlas continue development as they are. Yeah. You know, letting them have access to Sega's resources and, and other things, and they can continue just making games as normal. 
And I think this is probably the best transition scenario that, like, a game developer can go through. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there are times when, you know, a a game company can be taken over, Mm -hmm. and then God knows what happens Uh to them. You know, when Rare was taken over by Microsoft, Mm -hmm. that company has never been the same since that happened, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, um... Well, like, even Irrational Games, right? They yes. got bought up by Take Two, and now Kevin Levine's leaving. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually. Oh, sorry, is that another? Oh, it's no, the no, next no, no, <laughs> no, no, yeah. It's so, so like in going with that, yeah. um, Irrational Games, the Bioshock creator, um, you know, is basically going back to being an indie developer. They laid off all but fifteen people from a two hundred staff, um, and they're going. Yeah, so they're going back to smaller game development, and. You know, I think it's pretty much them saying, fuck you, to AAA game development. I, yeah, I mean, they're probably sick and tired of it, because you have to sell six million... Like, those goals are just stupid. Like, I, and not only that, like, the when you are making, you know, a AAA title, and you're under, you know, you know a publisher, or, such as, like, 2K Games or whatever... Mm-hmm. The demands are are high, mm-hmm. you know. So when they created Bioshock One and it was such a hit, now it's like, oh well, now you guys got to make a second one, mm-hmm. and we need it to be this, and we need it to be this, and we need you to sell this much. Yeah. So you know, if you're just like a person who just likes to create games for the sake of making games, and now you have someone breathing down your neck telling you what they want in the game mm-hmm. versus really what you just want to create. I could definitely see how someone could just be like, nah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm going to make, you know, 16-bit games. Yeah. Put them on Steam. Call what? it a day. You know what, though? Like, uh, uh, like indie development is, is growing so much more now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, when you think back to the PlayStation uh, GameCube days, indie development wasn't even Oh, yeah. It wasn't a, even a thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you made, like, an indie game, it was something that was on PC, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. And even then, it was still hard to get your game out there, because Steam wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. So Steam didn't have, like, you didn't have that forum where you can really advertise your game and get it out there yeah. and, be, and be seen. Yeah. Um, now, you know... Anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. So, out of game to GDC, which was... A couple weeks last week or a week like before? A, two weeks ago? Yeah. There was a survey that was uh, done, um, and it basically states the game developers are favoring PlayStation 4 for publishing their content. So tw- 20% were favoring PlayStation 4. 17%, surprisingly, were for Xbox One. <laughs> and no, I say, I say surprisingly because of how much people were hating on indie development for Microsoft before. Right, right. So clearly Microsoft has realized their wrongs and they're working to improve on that side of development. Well, that and my understanding is that developing for the PS4 and the X1 is pretty much like the same architecture at this yes. point. They're both x86, so you just kind of port, port it. it over after. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, this 20 and 17% could just be a lot of the 20% that be- are doing for PS4 being like, yeah, I'll put it on Xbox. Sure, why not? Why not? More money. More money. <laughs> And right. 3% are like, fuck you. Fuck you, Microsoft. Because ah. you burned us from, like, whenever. Yeah, with a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> That's my flamethrower sound effect. 
<laughs> Unfortunately, only 4% were in favor of publishing content for Wii U. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't. But, you know, there has been a lot of, like, I guess Nintendo raising awareness in terms of, like, indie development on the Wii U yeah. with the sale that they had and and uh, Mutant Muds was saying how the uh, the Mutant Muds Deluxe sold the most on Wii U yep. more than PlayStation so they're definitely trying to you know boost that it's also GDC which is predominantly I'm not saying there's a great Japanese indie development scene but it's predominantly like a very Western North American yes. European focus which they're what? totally skewed. Yes, and the other the other side to this is that <laughs> smartphones and PC were the rest of the percentage. Well, and then that determines it, right? Because <laughs> again, developing the PC now, like we were discussing, is similar to developing for PS4 and X1. Exactly. So, so it's, it's just a matter of porting. It's really a, a double port. So X1 gets the double port. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> port, 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 port. Yeah. So that's yeah. I think that's why those numbers look the way they do. Yeah. And why four percent is looking for Wii U? Like you, you. If you're making a game for PC, to just port it to PS4, Xbox One is easy. To do it to Wii U, you kind of have to do it from do the bit, ground up. Yeah, and think about what you want to do with the touchscreen. Because I'm sure Nintendo would be would say, "Okay, you can port the game, but we really want you to try." <laughs> Please. Even though, interestingly enough, we'll talk about this game next week. But Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze does not use the touchscreen in any way, shape, or form. That's right. I remember seeing a story about that that says that this touchscreen is just actually shut off. Yeah. If you don't want to play the game on the screen, then it's just shut off. Which is. I think that speaks volumes for the direction of where things may be headed. Mm, maybe. I mean, because... Maybe. Well, I- Iwata and his recent press, like, the the one the, sh- the the shareholders event said that they're actually going to double down on GamePad to really sell the product, to say this is the value. I just see it as retro having developed, like, first-person shooters and other things being like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I just want <laughs> to do this. But it's interesting that they this. would do that because retro studios is... You know, pretty much almost just a it is it is part of Nintendo it's a yeah. second party but it is it is it is an American second party so there has to be some sort of leeway there and then also I have a feeling Tropical Freeze was kind of in development for Wii yes and then when and it went then to moved. Wii U because they know they know games for Wii, Wii yes. U they're like okay if you make us do a gamepad then it's going to take another year <laughs> and Nintendo was just like yeah okay no okay wait. whatever fine we'll just take it just, just, take just it. put out just put out Cranky Kong people like Cranky Kong <laughs> Anyway. Oh my goodness! But um, yeah, so coming to, coming back, touching back on the um, irrational games, Bioshock. Um, one of the good things that um, that is being done for the what, like, hundred and eighty five people that are being laid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they are setting up like a um, like kind of like an exit. Like people can stay there for a couple weeks to get their portfolios ready, mm. and they're having like a day where um, I forget what they called it, but basically they're going to have like a, kind of like a employment yeah they'll ship, they'll ship them off to like other development firms. exactly like i understand it's it's so much like it's so much like silicon valley that way like tech startups grow and explode every mm-hmm. day and they implode and people just kind of fly around between yeah. facebook and twitter and whatever this new bank thing and this thing where you look up porn on the whim like yeah bounce around <laughs> they right? just go all over the place but i think yeah. that's really good though that like it's not just like you're all being fired and bye peace out yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're setting them up to be like okay Take your time, work on your portfolios. We're going to have a day set up where we're going to have a bunch of developers come in and you can show them your work and you can get interviewed right there and basically transition right from job A to job B. Yeah, that is definitely great. You know, I'm, yeah. Because I wouldn't want to hear, like, you know, all these 
people getting laid off because this guy decides, yeah, I don't want to do AAA anymore. Yeah, yeah. What I think will most likely end up happening is that 2K Games will absorb a lot of those people because they, I guess, now still own the Bioshock IP. Ooh, so That's dangerous. Yeah. So the Bioshock IP is still owned by, by 2K Games. So you will see a sequel. It will not be made by Irrational Games. It was basically kind of a... Um, and it won't be Kevin... Halo Le- thing. Right, but it won't be Kevin Levine either, who was kind of like... Yeah. But it, yeah, it's just like Halo, how Halo was made by Bungie. It was originally created by Bungie, but then Microsoft bought the IP. And then when Bungie was like, you know, we really don't want to make this game anymore. They were like, okay, well... <laughs> well, we'll make it. <laughs> well, that's fine. We'll make it. <laughs> It's All essentially right. what it is, right? Get so ready then. It's going to be Bioshock Saints Row Madden NFL Edition 2015 GOTY. <laughs> but no, but remember. But like it's like you said though. Like remember you had made a comment about like um, people at Activision and like Sledgehammer Games and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Saying like, is this really all you want on your resume? Yeah. Like, you only have worked on Call of Duty. So I could definitely see yeah. people at, like, Bungie being like, I don't want to be known as the Halo company. Yeah. Right? And same with Irrational Games. I don't want to be known as just the Bioshock company. Yeah, and creatively, it's like, you know, you know, you have, let's say, a trilogy planned out. Or in Bioshock's case, Bioshock 1 and 2. Like, that's all I wanted to ever do. Exactly. Six. Like, I'm done. And then they come back and say, oh, no, we need no, more. No, we need more because it made us so much money. We want to make more money off of you. Yeah, so, I don't know. Expand the story. Find it. Make it work. Close the door. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of how... That's kind of the direction now that AAA development is going. Yeah. You know, it's become so giant. I know. It's become so big and... It, and need for like there to be so much money made, X amount of dollars to be made, and when it hits those targets, they want it replicated again. Yeah, yeah. I want you know how at GDC and other events you can interview developers about their games, and most people will be like, "Oh well, you know, Madden 2017 is an innovative way of arranging rosters to foster collaborative playing." And you know they always do that sort of bullshit. Mm-hmm. I want someone to do any journalists out there, to do, like, a one-on-one sit-down with developers and say, you know, give me your perception on what the video game development industry is like right now. Like, where is it great? Where is it really terrible? Mm -hmm. What are your life experiences? Like, I want something that's beyond the development bullshit. Like, I want to know how they feel as developers. Because you see these things happening, right? Mm -hmm. These fairly major shifts. Like, Tomb Raider not being declared a success Uh, until, like, a year and a half later. That, That bullshit... Is such ridiculousness. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, your game sold, like, what, seven, eight million, and then it's a success? Yeah, Square Enix is like, oh, I guess we can make another one now. Yeah. You know, and and so I understand part of the development idea is that, oh, that's the, you know, those are the suits. The suits handle that part. I Mm -hmm. just make games. But, you know, if you really enjoy developing video games and you feel like it's a creative extension of yourself, Mm -hmm. you're you're, you're emotionally attached. So I want to know how those individuals feel. I know. That would be really good. Press pass, girl. Yeah. <laughs> if we could get a press pass and, like, go and interview people and be like, give us the real tea. Yeah, give us the tea. It's four o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give us the real tea on what's going on in the game industry. What's going on up in EA? We want to know, girl. Yeah. Give us the tea. <laughs> Maybe we can get a Canada Journalist Grant. Does that even exist? I don't know. I don't think so. Probably not. But, um... Thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but it, it, you're you're very right on that. And you know, when you see interviews sometimes where they talk to developers and they just kind of have that corporate speak well, now, yeah. and it's like. And the games journal and the games journalism industry for for a small part, you know, I'm not intimate with it, but it's not very um, institutional. Like it's it's just very like okay, you you join a site and if you're good, you get kept on the site. Mm-hmm. But it's not like news, for example, like global news outlets. Yeah, not saying they have the best standards, but there there is a demand for you to really seek out, you know, what's the crux of of, a, of, a, of an event, what's the cause of an event. Yes. Whereas I feel like games journalism is mostly just a way to sell more games. Yes. Like, you know, at E3, no, really. tell me more about this game and why you think it's awesome as the developer. But you're, you're like, you are 100% that's not what I want to know. You are 100% correct. You go to E3, and E3 is really just a big advertising extravaganza. Exactly. That's it. You know, IGN, GameSpot will cover all the stuff on your game and talk about how great it is. Yeah. Like, I, I remember watching GameSpot, and, you know, it's GameSpot, mind you, and, you know, they invited the the creator of Mario Kart over, and they're like, okay, let's see Mario Kart, and, you know, they're showing up Mario Kart 8, and they're like, oh, yeah, that looks really good, like, ooh, tell me about the item boxes, what are some new items, la la la, I'm like, can we not get beyond this a yeah. little bit? Like, like, let's talk about why, like, like get more into... Yeah, you know, what game did you make before? How did this inspire you to make Mario Kart 8? Did you only make Mario Kart 8 because you were paid a lot of money to do it? <laughs> like, you know, like, what is that? What What is the, the story behind the game? That's what I want to understand. Well, I think also a part of it, too, is that, um, I, and again, I could be 100% wrong, but, yeah. you know, there is probably some sort of kickback... Oh, totally. When you when you are only talking about certain things for these game journalists, <sighs> let's face it, you know, news media outlets are going to make money because of their being on TV and advertising and, and whatever for what regular advertising. The money that's made for advertising from like a from a game site is mostly from the games that yeah, you're talking exactly. about. Yeah. So if they're really going in and covering it like you and I would like them to cover things, give us the real tea on stuff, yeah. you know, spill the secrets on what's going on, you're probably not going to get very much advertising yeah. dollars. Yeah. So you know there has there's a little bit of how far they can push. Before it's like, mm, we're not going to give you any exclusives on game reviews or stuff like that yeah. because you're spilling all the bad stuff that we don't want you to talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, it's true. And you've seen Nintendo slowly start to do that where they realize that game journalism is not their easiest form of marketing anymore. No. So they've just created their own little channels like Nintendo Minutes and all that sort of stuff. Nintendo Directs where they're like, yeah, we can do what you guys do for us without any of the dirt, basically. Exactly. And so it's a bit unfortunate because like, because even the Iwata asks... That's what I want to learn. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. When they bring in the developers and they go, you know, how long did you spend on this? And yes. they tell you those intimate stories about yes. how, oh, Miyamoto came in after six months of development and told us it was shit. Yeah. You know, like, that's the sort of stuff I want to hear about. I want to understand how this game came to be, because my attachment to the game grows. Exactly. When I realize how many times it's been through, like, the rinse cycle, mm-hmm. you know, because of some stone-cold bitch <laughs> at Nintendo. But I don't hear about that when they make... Like, maybe there's nothing behind... I I hit on sports games a lot, I know. But maybe because there is no story behind NHL 2K7. Or whatever. 2015. 
25. Yeah, maybe it is just that when they make it, it's like, it's an upgrade, and we just have to hit these certain points, we program it, we make it, it's done. There's well, maybe, like, no drama. I downloaded the sports stats from NHL.com, and then I replaced last year's sports stats with this year's sports stats. <laughs> I updated the rosters, I made their faces a little bit prettier, and... But not too pretty, because I'd be gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then George from marketing said, yeah, it's good to go. And then I went gold. Done. And then I went home and ate some pizza. <laughs> if anyone has ever worked in sports game development, please reach out. I want to know how that works. Tweet us. <laughs> please let us I know. I just can't see the same story behind sports games as I do behind, like, uh, I don't know, Mario 3D World. Or Donkey Kong. Or Donkey Kong. Or even, like, Mass Effect. Bioshock. Yeah, Mass, Mass Effect. Effect. Like, you know that's not a... Th- I'm not saying they should be, but I would like to compare and contrast those narratives yeah. behind the development. <laughs> But yeah, as a, as a whole, AAA development is becoming a huge pressured thing where you are expected to bring results. And some people have decided, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. And that's why I think the indie development scene is growing. And I think you're going to see it to continue to grow because you have things like Kickstarter now where mm-hmm. you, people, you can get people behind your game and you can make your game and publish it and profit. Yeah, yep. and I that's agree. sometimes what people just want. They want to have an idea, they want to see it created, and they just want to see it make money. That's true. They don't necessarily want to put out Call of Duty for hundred tits and ass edition. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some people, for some people though, that they would probably aspire to that. Be like, you know, oh man, I worked on all the Call of Duties, and that's great for them. But there is a lot of people that have creative ideas and they just want to make those ideas and that's it i really could i this is going to sound so condescending but i really could not imagine someone's like pinnacle of success being i've worked on every call of duty ever made i don't either to be honest but maybe there are people out there that are like that's what i want to that's do. like that's like saying i've designed every pair of hawaiian swim shorts from old navy ever like it's just like i'm not saying it's bad but you know, I always thought, you know, like, most fashion designers are like, I would like to end up in a couture house one day. Yes. I would and this, is, this is where I started. <laughs> this is where I started, and I ended up, you know, there. Yeah. So. But this is all I have to <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. We're not judging. We're not, well. Okay, maybe a little bit. Moving on. And moving on. <laughs> Okay, so um, there's been issues with um, games coming out on Xbox One and uh, PlayStation in terms of the graphics and like the graphical output ones being in 720p and ones being in 1080p. Um, it, the really? Release, yeah. Because the Wii U is pushing 1080p. I know. 1080p on Wii U, but... Just saying. Just saying, I know. So... <laughs> <laughs> when Call of Duty Ghost came out, there was it was 
released, uh, you know, it's running in 1080p on PlayStation. Yeah. It's not running on 1080p on Xbox One. Now Thief, which is coming out, I think, or is already out, don't know, um, is uh, running at 900p, which I've never even heard of. That's awkward. Awkward. And then Metal Gear Solid Five, we find, is running at 720p. <laughs> Right? Squirrel, you have a $600 box and it runs 720p. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's a problem. Okay, I'm not one for, I, see, again, I'm not one for graphics, like. Me either. But you can't advertise yourself as like a new age power horse and then, <laughs> and then only run at 720p, right? Uh, okay, <laughs> think about it. PlayStation 4, $400, running at 1080p. I'm gonna spend $100 more and it's only outputting in last year's like Girl. graphic standard? I mean, come on. Girl. So apparently Mario Kart 8 on Wii U is gonna run at 60 FPS, 1080p. Yeah. That's intense. So. If Wii U can run at 1080p, 60 frames a second, I really, I need to know and understand what is it that's holding the Xbox One back? Um, all those features that allow you to like watch pornography on the sidebar while you blow your bros heads off in Halo. <laughs> That's what's holding it back. But I mean, this... Okay, but really, though, this system is costing X amount of dollars. It's supposed to be the next gen. I mean, we games were running at 1080p last that, gen. Well, that's the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Here's the next gen system, and you're struggling to put games at 1080p? I think that's a problem. I mean, again, like, I understand, you know, people will say, oh, well, it's a new system, it's a new generation, it takes time to get... But th- that I understand. But this isn't again. This isn't like the Wii. This yeah. isn't the Wii where it looks busted year one, and we get Xenoblade, which still looks kind of busted. But it's a huge world right. by year six. This is like you are further behind than you were at the end yeah. of year five of your previous console. But it, it, this is exactly it. Like games were running at 1080p last gen. PlayStation Three was handling 1080p no problem. Games on Xbox 360 were running at 1080p. Why are they not running on 1080p on Xbox One? It should be, like, the bare minimum standard to well, run... especially when you sell yourself as, like, a fucking next-gen powerhouse, exactly. multitasking, internet-owning, media conglomerate machine. Yeah. That's what I'm not understanding. I'm not understanding what it is that is holding this system back. Well, perhaps we should we should do some research into it. But if it is the, all the multitasking at the end of the day, then for me, it's again, it's like... Can we not have a dedicated gaming console? Right. Does it have to do everything? Does it have to do what a PC does mm-hmm. and not be as good as a PC? Yeah. Basically. <laughs> like, and so, as we all know, I bought the Xbox One mostly for Killer Instinct. The game runs at 720p as well. It doesn't run at 1080p. The graphics that are on the game, no word of a lie, they're not like super stellar, awesome, amazing graphics. This game could have run on 360. I know. Well, the only reason it didn't is so they could sell this So they could sell the system. Well, congratulations, it worked. But, (laughs) um, it's not, it's nothing that is really pushing the system. It could have run on 360 just fine and dandy and, Mm -hmm. you know, in my opinion, it would have sold a lot more if it was on 360. Well, totally. But... And it would have been on disc. And I'm not saying this new model is not going to work, but it just would have been classic. 50, Here, 60 bucks, 50 bucks, you get the whole game, game play exactly. online, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know how... I. 
I, I still am going to give it a little bit of a slide because it is year one development. And these games most likely probably started on 360, 360 development. Yeah. Or PC, really. Or PC. They, yeah. And then they're pushing them on yeah. to Xbox. Yeah. If we are still having this conversation um, next year where games are coming out at 720p, we need to have a serious talk with Microsoft. Well, maybe. I feel like no one's going to care. Everyone's going to be like, it's okay because of Halo 7. Or it's, whatever. It's all worth it for it's, Halo 7. It's, can you imagine if Halo wasn't running at 1080p? <laughs> because it was running on 1080p in, on uh, 360. They pushed for that game to to work at 1080p, which, honestly, sometimes when I... Some of the games, I don't even know how they ran on 360. Because 360 architecture is just so old. Yeah. And, like, like for Grand Theft Auto five, uh, 5, I don't even know how that game ran. It probably, like, really... You could cook an egg on your system. Like, it really You could cook an egg system. on your system, probably. I have no idea how it worked, but it did, but... Well, you know what? This... W- welcome to video games in 2014. Mm-hmm. You can Skype your aunt, but you can't run a game in fucking 1080. <laughs> Thanks, gamers. <laughs> so, uh, Joystick had a talk with Square Enix producer uh, Kitase. Is that how you pronounce it? Kitase, yeah. Um, so there were some interesting points that uh, came out of that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, he has read through all of the mixed reviews and says that people may have... Uh, this is this is in regards to uh, Lightning Sorry. Returns. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and he says... That, I assume not Bravely Default. No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. This, is, this stuff is mostly about Final Fantasy. Um, and he says that uh, people may have a negative reaction at first, uh, but as they play through, they may be surprised. By how actually more terrible it is than they thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> No, apparently the game is really good. Like from what people are saying, like it is an enjoyable game, and I'm and and if it is, that's great. Uh, I'm not gonna like throw more shade at this game. We all know that how we feel about Final Fantasy 13. And my, for yeah, me, I know it's mean. It's just it's just kind of funny at yeah. this point. But for me personally, like my hatred stopped at like 13. I was like, I'm done, and I don't want to continue on yeah. with this trilogy. Yeah. And that I just left it at that. And if Lightning Returns is a great game, awesome. Um, so if you are on the fence, you know, there's the demo. You can give it a try and see what it's like. Yeah. Um, for me personally as well, I'm just kind of on RPG overload right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Bravely Default is taking up my time. And then Final Fantasy X Remake is coming out soon. Exactly. So, so that's going to be another 80-hour pl- RPG that I'm going to be playing right after Bravely Default. Ain't nobody got time to play Lightning Returns. Sorry. So I did download the demo. And one thing I like that they realized is that because you don't get to control other party members, okay. that unless it's for story's sake, there's really no point in having other party members. Okay. So you just, you can move lightning around. She walks kind of slow because it's not meant for her to run around. Okay. But you just control her, which is kind of great, finally, because you get to really put a lot of um, depth into how controlling just one character works as opposed to like Optima shifting everybody all the time. <laughs> don't, like There's still parts where you get team members, but mm-hmm. it's less focused on that. But again, it still it feels more like I don't know what's a game where it, it it has such like Western influence into it about how you have to be able to control your main character mm-hmm. and X means slash like that sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's done in a really like time based, slightly busted way. Still, yeah. it's just kind of it's not uh, what it's not a Final Fantasy that most people would expect to be a Final Fantasy. Like it's like a hot dog with mayonnaise. <laughs> 
Like I like hot dogs with mayonnaise. It's, it's novel, but it's not one or the other. Is what yeah. I mean. Like that. Like <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not like it's not traditional in that sense, right? It's not like this way or this way. It's like French and American. It's a hot dog with mayonnaise. <laughs> Your analogies sometimes are just so hilarious. <laughs> it's like fusion cooking gone wrong. Is what it feels like. Um, he also stated that Final Fantasy X was a lot more difficult to remake than just an HD up-res. Um, so it took them, I think he said it was like three years. Shit, really? Yeah, well, it was announced in 2011. Was it? Yeah. So that's when they, like, started. I think how they didn't talk about it for a long time. Yeah, because it was in development for so long. Wow. And so it took them that long to make it. And that the Final Fantasy, this one was crazy, the Final Fantasy Thirteen trilogy was almost ten years of development. So they basically had started the groundwork for Final Fantasy XIII before the PlayStation 3. So, like, when they probably got, like, the PS3 development kits, like, way back in, like, what? 2005? Probably, like, late 2004. Yeah, that's, like, before even the Wii came out. Exactly. So they probably got their development kits, like, first, because Square was, like, up Sony's ass during the PS2 era. So they probably got their development kits first and started that groundwork for Final Fantasy Thirteen since then, which, yes, would be almost 10 years, because we're in 2014. Isn't that crazy when you stop and think about it? I just... Yeah, I would be I would be terrified like five years in to release like Final Fantasy thirteen and then have people not really like it and be like, ah oh, shit <laughs> <laughs> Can someone make Bravely default? <laughs> you know that's essentially what happened, right? And like, oh. They got into development, they were like, Shit, nobody really is well not nobody, but like it wasn't recepted the way we were expecting. Yeah. We need to like make something to appease to those people. Yeah. And then we got Bravely Default. Yay. Um, but yeah, because of that huge commitment um, that was involved in the Final Fantasy thirteen, yeah. which, of course, they decided at that point was going to be this... It's going to use this one engine. It's going to be this oh, epic... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fabula, saga. Novala, Crystallis. Yeah. And all those FF verses and <laughs> right. Zero. And- so when they had committed to that from since... Like, we're assuming late 2004, early 2005. You have to stay on that path. Guys, that's a decade. That's a fucking decade of time. Yes! That's crazy! And when you... And what's even more crazy... Technically, Final Fantasy XV is still part of that whole... Yeah, I know, that whole thing. That that Fabula Novala Crystallis thing. So now them pushing it to, you know, uh, PS4 and um, calling it Final Fantasy XV, it's still part of that umbrella of the thirteen trilogy. That's crazy. And you know, know, here's, here's the funny thing. And just for you gays out there, going two episodes back, in that time span, both Lindsay Lohan... And Britney Spears had their mental breakdown. That's how long it took to develop this goddamn series. We've had two divas had breakdowns. And come out of their and breakdowns. And we had Lady Gaga happen in that 10-year span. This is how long it took. This is how long it took for what we got. And Beyonce went from Destiny's Child to Sasha Fierce and then now to this pregnant thingy. This is what has happened in 10 years. This is... <laughs> also, Mean Girls came out 10 years ago. There you go. Mean Girls came out 10 years ago. RuPaul's Drag Race happened within the last decade. Yes. That's how much has so happened. So much shit has happened. In the time it took for them to make this thing. <laughs> wow. When you really stop and break it down, it's just like, holy Jesus Christ. And uh, Final Fantasy fifteen is not coming out this year. No. It's probably not coming out till 2015, like, holiday. I bet you 2016 at this point. I would... 
spring 2016. Girl, if it comes out in 2016, then when are we seeing Kingdom Hearts 3? Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, never. <laughs> when they showed that trailer, they made that trailer like two weeks before E3. <laughs> because you know 15 is probably going to come out before Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, I think so. So <laughs> when are we going to see Kingdom Hearts 3 if... 15 is not going to be enjoyable. Listen, I know Square Enix. They love making those full motion videos, like the the pre-rendered yeah. stuff. So when they did the Kingdom Hearts 3 teaser and they said, oh, this is all in-game video. And, you know, to be like, oh, this is what the PS4 can do. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I was like, no, this means that you didn't have no time yeah. to make a fucking trailer. Yeah. So you did some in-game shit for us to see. Yeah. I know you, Square. I'm on to I'm you, I'm girl. I'm on to you, girl. <laughs> Nancy Drew. <laughs> Nancy Drew's on the case. She figured it out. <laughs> Figure it out, Nancy Drew. Mm-hmm. But no, I maybe they'll... You know what? They'll probably do Final Fantasy 15 2015. Oh, that makes sense. Makes sense. Let's hope it happens. Cross your fingers. Because it really does need to come out soon. Well, not soon, but like they can't really push it that far. 2015 is the comfortable window, I would say, for that to come out. The question is, what's going to come out first, then? Bravely Second or Final Fantasy 15? I'm not saying the development times are comparable. No. But I'm just... I think Bravely Second will, because they already like announced it, and it's a DS game. And the teaser already came out in the, in Bravely Default. Yeah, so. and it's the same engine. As Bravely Default. Which is just... Bravely Second will come out first. Yay! Bravely Second! <laughs> Bravely Second! That's going to be confusing, to I have know. Bravely Second in Bravely Second. Maybe they'll call it Bravely Third. Maybe they'll call it Bravely Minute. Bravely Minute. (laughs) Bravely Minute! Get your shit together, Square Enix. Good God. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, Okay, so then one of the other things that um, he mentioned was that a Final Fantasy VII remake is something that he wants to do. They don't regret doing that teaser that they did way back in the PS3. Oh, to show off the tech, right? Right. Yeah. They don't regret that. Um... The issue with making a Final Fantasy VII remake is that they could not just casually start working on it. They would want to put all their effort and development into making yeah. it. And the time to develop it would be comparable to Final Fantasy XIII on scale. Maybe even bigger. So what they're saying is, if they were to make this game, it would be like 10 years in the making. So basically, gamers, you'd be in your late 30s, 40s by the time this came yeah. out. So take it easy. Yeah. I hope this finally, like, puts to rest. Because for, for for years and years, every E3, they're like, the Sony fanboys are like, oh, they're going to release, like, when the PS3 mm-hmm. wasn't doing well, particularly in the beginning. They're like, oh, don't worry, guys. Next year, we're going to see the FF7 remake, and it's going to sell 8 billion units, even though there's only not that many people in the world. Anyways, but... And since then, every time, even when the PS4 was coming out, they're like, oh, we're going to see an FF7 remake, guys. Mm-hmm. Just you wait. It's never going to happen. <laughs> never going to happen. Hashtag never going to happen. <laughs> and just watch Final Fantasy VII Advent Children if you need your dose. If you need to see Final Fantasy VII and pretty. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so basically, if a Final Fantasy VII remake is going to happen, we're going to know. Because it's something that would be in development forever. And... <laughs> They're going to announce it one year, and you'll see it ten years later. Well, basically, we would you also would know that something is up because they wouldn't be working on anything else. So we already know they're working on 15. We know they're working on Kingdom Hearts. So mm. those are two huge extravaganzas. They mm-hmm. definitely don't have time to work on Final, Final Fantasy VII. No, and do it justice, yeah. So 
Oh, and then 14 is still an ongoing thing that's always happening now because it's an MMO. So if 7 was to happen, you basically would see the Final Fantasy or the Square Enix release window look dry. Yeah. And then you could start speculating. But until that happens, forget it. Move on. Yeah, I agree. Move on with your life. Move on with your life. Play the old one. <laughs> oh, goodness. Or the slightly up one on PC. Yeah. There you go. Whatever. Moving on. Moving on. Final segment of this week, we are going to look at game series that we miss. The game series that have pretty much other people have decided they're over it. Over it. <laughs> but we've decided we're not over it and we not want it back. It. <laughs> That's the segment. Over it. Not over it. <laughs> That's good. Over it, not over it. Yeah, I like that. So for this month, we are taking a look at the Gauntlet series. Um, so Gauntlet, as you, some of you, or most of you probably know, is the arcade game with your quintessential roles, your warrior, your ranger, your mage, your valkyrie, your car, you know, your essential roles. And you... you <laughs> is valkyrie an essential role? Well, like, <laughs> I was on board with you, and then you're like, you're valkyrie. I was expecting, like... But no, Valkyrie's one of Paladin the- or something. Yeah, I know. Well, I know. I know it's one of the things, but it's just <laughs> yeah, Valkyrie isn't one of the more common roles, I guess, in in like yeah those type of RPG type games. But whatever, Valkyrie actually was my favorite because she was like, well, and Gauntlet uh, Legends and Dark Legacy was a was a bitch. Yeah, because she's like a fierce birdie bit. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, Gauntlet has quite the legacy. <laughs> LOL um, <laughs> of games that dates way back to oh shit I didn't write down the date but it goes, dates back to like the NES and Genesis days um, and it originally was an arcade release and you know what when you look at the Gauntlet games yeah. like in its original like form you wouldn't even recognize it you'd be like oh it kind of looks like Zelda in that kind of like top down level design yep and you walk around in like that kind of up, down, left, yeah, right yeah, motions, yeah. Um, and go through dungeons and stuff like that. Um, so the, yeah, the original one was an arcade release, which was then came out on NES, and then Genesis Master System came out on some other ones as well. But uh, the NES one actually supported four players through the like multi tap thing that yeah, they have for that's NES, cool. which of course they're like are so few games that even support that. So it's cool that that Gauntlet did support that. Um, And then there was Gauntlet 2, which came out, again, for arcade. And Game Boy. Game Boy. Game Boy had a Gauntlet game. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then there was a brief uh, release of it on the PlayStation 3 store, but then it was pulled down for reasons that I couldn't find when I was investigating. (laughs) 
And then there was a um, an off release of called Gauntlet the Third Encounter, which I guess was not quite the third game, but it was just the third encounter. Right. LOL. Um, and it was out <laughs> on Lynx. The Atari Lynx. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who owned that system? Nobody. Yeah. So that's why I guess we got Gauntlet 3, which was on Amiga and Atari, and of course in uh, Arcade as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more well-known Gauntlet game yeah. um, is Gauntlet Legends. That's like the quintessential Gauntlet. That is the For quint- anyone born in like the late 80s. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so most people probably don't know of those old games, but you probably played Gauntlet Legends which was on arcade N64, PlayStation, and Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the first game that I played, and it was just, like, super fun. Yeah, it was super fun. I played it in the arcade, yeah. And then I, we used to play it on N64 and rent it, like, constantly. <laughs> I don't even know how much time we spent money going to Blockbuster and renting this game, but it was fun because you had four players. Exactly. You know, any game that involves four players and you can play with all your friends, I find to be incredibly fun no matter how like you know bad the game may be i mean gauntlet is not like a groundbreaking game right no. it's not like the most amazing thing since sliced <laughs> bread but it is super fun and you know there's something enjoyable with four player cooperative games where you get to like level up and stuff like that that's why i think castle crashers was as successful yeah. as it was i mean games like this sort of foster the mmo right mm-hmm. really that's what it, what it what it was before exactly you know, pick a class play with your friends exactly. kill some things yeah. upgrade be fierce be amazing um <laughs> <laughs> that's the gap campaign for the fall be fierce. Be amazing. <laughs> so then there was a sequel, um, which was Gauntlet Dark Legacy. And that one was on the new, um, well, not newer, but new at that time. Two gens ago. Two gens ago for arcade, PS2, GameCube, Xbox, and one for Game Boy Advance. Yay! Yeah. How random. Random. Um, but this game uh, introduced more classes than the standard four, um, and it introduced a whole bunch more upgrades, you know, graphical improvements and stuff like that. So it really took the game to, like, a new place. Right, right. And, and it, it was received well. Um, you know, it wasn't like a a 9.0 game. It was like a 7.5, 8.5 game. Okay, that's good. So it's still pretty good. Yeah, you know. So it was it was a good game. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. And then Gauntlet Seven Sorrows happened, which was not received well at all. This one came out on PS2, Xbox, and then on 360. And uh, it ditched a lot of the improvements that were made for Gaunt Legacy, or sorry, um, Dark Legacy. Uh-huh. And it went more with kind of more RPG elements. Uh-huh. So like the gameplay kind of got a bit slower and like you couldn't do your upgrades whenever you wanted. Like it was a kind of an end of the level thing. And like it just really changed what... Try to pe- reinvent the wheel. Yes. It tried to change it from what people were enjoying with Gauntlet Legends and Gauntlet Dark Legacy and then they changed it and people were like okay no no this is not what we wanted yeah this wasn't what I asked for exactly yeah this is what happens sometimes with games now there's nothing wrong with trying to you know recreate a game and or change things with a game there's nothing wrong with that 
And if it's not received well, okay, it's not received well. But yeah. You make a bravely default. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, this is a, but this is a problem that happens sometimes with games is that, you know, it just takes that one bad release and then they decide to never make the game I know. I hate again. it when they do that. When they go, oh, that one didn't sell well because we decided to do everything differently and no one liked it. Yeah. So I guess we'll never do anything ever again. Like, that's what, that's what frustrates me with, like, games. You know, the same could be said for what we were talking about earlier, Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk was a great series. It sold millions of copies, and then they decided to go in another direction with this peripheral nonsense. And then they were like, okay, we're not going to make any more. No! It means you fucked up, and you did something that people didn't like. Go back to what was yeah, working. Yeah, just say you're, you were not the best at that new reinvention and just go back and go back to what works and just pretty it up and call it bravely default and then everybody everyone's happy everyone's don't call it tony hawk call it um bravely hawk well i was gonna say what's another skate roller border oh don't even ask me i have no idea um you know like peter frampton <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Peter Frampton, whoever he be. He's not a musician. I, anyway. Anyways. But no. Um, but yeah, so they've never made a gauntlet since. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we will see a gauntlet reappear. And when you really think about it, gauntlet is such a perfect game for our current gen with the improvements that have been made to online and just, like, four-player couch play. Like... Yeah, maybe they feel like other things have just taken its its place and they find it difficult to compete. I don't know. Like with like Diablo. Diablo. And, and what was it that we played at? Dungeon Fools Hunter House? Online. Dungeon, yeah, that one. It is very similar to those games. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt. Um, but, hey, you guys were here first, so... Take back your crown, queen. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Come back in, enter into the ring, and start making those games again. Make a cause... big sassy Valkyrie. That says, like, gay phrases when she kills things. <laughs> you better burn. You, you know? better burn, witch. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Gauntlet done it. Gauntlet. Gay Souls Edition. <laughs> oh, my God. Can this back name happen, please? Oh, my God. But, yeah, I hope that they do make another game because, um, and I remember commenting on this before, too, like, with Wonderful 101, which wasn't received as well yeah. by everyone. It is a good game, and people do enjoy it. I just hope that they don't take all the things that, you know, people are saying that, you know, I know the sales numbers, and be like, never make this game again. Well, he did say he really, really, really would want to make a wonderful 102. 102. But, you know, if the money comes, then he'll make it. True. Basically is what he said. I'm hoping that Nintendo throws the money their way. Basically, Nintendo is going to... If Bayonetta 2 sells well... Yes. Then I think you'll see the, a better relationship going forward. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Platinum Games became, like, just, like, full Nintendo second party. Second party? I hope so. Yeah. I'm actually surprised at how quickly people sort of ditched Platinum. Yeah. Because they made awesome, really crazy games, and then all the other third parties, like Sega and stuff, were just kind of like... No. Oh, kind of over it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Meh. And then Nintendo, of all things, of had all to people. come in had to be like, we need some sassy games. Yeah. Can you make some sassy games. Can you make games? these games for us? Thank you. Yeah. No, so, that's really an interesting um, relationship that yeah. they have. Um, I think, I think though, Nintendo has always been trying to find their Rare since Rare left. Yeah. And, uh, like, Retro Studios, I think, kind of... Kind of filled some of that. Kind of filled some of that, but not quite, because... When you think of Rare, Rare 
put out so many games for N64. They kept that system going. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the thing I that I really um, liked and thought that was really amazing about Rare was that they weren't just that one-trick pony like... I'm sorry to throw shade at them again. You know, like Activision and, like, the Call of Duty. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they did, like, a whole array of games... Fighting games, yeah. Killer Instinct. They did a first-person shooter, Goldeneye and Perfect Dark. Yeah. They had their adventure games. They did Donkey Kong. They did Banjo-Kazooie. Conquer. They had, had Conquer. Then they did, um, you know, random offshoot games like uh, Jet Force Gemini. Like, oh, yeah, so yeah, They yeah. had, like, a, you know, a array of different games that they did, and they were... They I did love well Jet all Force of them. Gemini. Like, all of the games that Rare put out were amazing, and yeah. they were, you know, I think Nintendo's always been trying to find that second party type developer that they could have that would put out those type of quality games like no. Rare did. Thanks Microsoft. Thanks a lot. They kind of did ruin Rare. What do you mean kind of did? <laughs> like like you have to admit. What, like, what do you mean kind of? <laughs> okay, they ruined Rare. They ruined Rare. Like they I will they ruined Banjo-Kazooie. I will never forgive anybody on that team for what they did to Banjo-Kazooie. Like that wasn't even a Banjo-Kazooie. It was like a Lego it game. It was a, it was a game that they threw the Banjo-Kazooie IP on yeah. because they owned it and they were like, well, here. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> hmm, this wouldn't make a good Halo game. <laughs> yeah, but... But we have no other franchise, so it, let's make it a yeah. Special Kazooie game. It's like, what other IPs do we own? Killer Instinct? No, we can't make this a Killer Instinct. Well, we already did Perfect Dark, and that doesn't fit. And they ruined Perfect Dark, didn't sell well. Yeah. Conquer didn't sell well. Nope. How did they destroy everything? I know! Like, everything that was good with Rare, they just destroyed They, like, pooped it. I don't know. Over it. Over it. That I'm over it. Yes. That I'm over it. And we're over this episode. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you are by now, too. (laughs) But yes, that concludes our episode for this week uh, with just me and James. Um, Holla. um, I'm going to give a special shout out to a side podcast that I'm doing as well. Oh, yeah. Non-video game related, but if you're a RuPaul's Drag Race fan, Mm -hmm. and we've made quite a few references to it uh, throughout this episode already, Mm -hmm. just randomly, um, myself uh, and the the boys from GameBooie.org and Rob Roberts are doing Reading is Fundamental, which is a podcast directly uh, involving uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. So we've already done one episode, which was a pre-episode, and we talk about all the queens and who we like, who we don't like. We just basically throw fucking shade and... Well, not just shade, but, like, we talk about who we like. Um, And definitely check it out if you're a RuPaul's Drag Race fan. We're going to be doing episodes every week to recap every episode. And the premiere, of course, is this week on Monday. Yes, Gaga. Gaga. Oh my god. <laughs> Library is open. open. Seriously, so excited for tomorrow. <laughs> so it's not even funny. <laughs> not even funny. But um, check out uh, our our um, podcast. Yes. Our link will be in the show notes. The website is rifpodcast.com. Um, Everything in our world has to be an initial. Yes. R-I-F. Reading is fundamental podcast dot com. Hunties. Mm-hmm. And of course, we <gasps> always pay tribute to our sisterhood. Yes, go ahead. Uh, to Koopa Club, GameBooie.org. That's GameBooie.org. <laughs> uh, Game Bar and Orange Lounge Radio. So that concludes this week's episode. Yes. 
Goodbye, everybody. Bye.